For my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings shall we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I got a bad feeling about this. Welcome to episode 273 of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Halls Burkhardt. And I'm your host, Will Witten. And guys, we have a momentous new look at the Mandalorian just one week out from season two. So much new footage. It's really good. We finally got to see Ahsoka. We finally got to see Boba Fett. Uh, Jabba the Hutt was in there somehow. He's supposed to be dead. None of these things are true. But we'll be discussing. In my mind, I was like, I didn't see that. I missed that part. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, he's oh, he's pulling my leg. <laughs> um, none of these things are true, but we'll be discussing all there is to discuss, which isn't a ton, from the new look at the Mandalorian that came out during Man Monday Night Football this week. Almost said Mando... Mando, Mando Night Football. Night football. Now that it that would get me to tune in to ESPN. Dude, I'd get cable again. It would be a cage match. That's 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 really how Disney should have spent their promotional buckets. Buck bucks. <laughs> it's going to be one of those episodes. Mm. Strap Is, in. Paying for all the football players to be dressed up like Mandalorians. <clears throat> Anyways, uh, we'll be talking about that. We'll be talking about Ewan McGregor doing a costume test for the Obi-Wan series on Disney+. And a couple of other things. And we'll be hearing from a couple of our Moisture Farmer buddies. Uh, before we get into that, though, if... You enjoy our podcast, you should like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blue Harvest Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram at Blue Harvest Pod. You can email us at Blue Harvest Podcast at gmail.com. It's where you send in any questions, comments, voice messages. Yeah, little ditties. About Haws and Will. <laughs> and um, 
If you really, really enjoy the podcast, we have something cool for you, and that's a Patreon, where if you sign up for as little as $3 a month, you get access to our exclusive RSS feed where we post all of our bonus Patreon shows, podcasts, uh, Oh No, It's Hall Solo, Cooking with Will, Jaws, Masters of Harvest Kasi, Podula Rasa, Blue Harvest Adventures, Star Wars Year by Podcast, and and so much more. So if you're into that sort of thing, check it out at patreon.com slash blue harvest podcast and a big shout out to all our current patrons you guys are the best um how's your week been buddy oh stressful but good yeah yeah you were telling me that a little bit while we were getting ready to record yeah moving can be stressful yeah no doubt stressful it's been quite a while since i've had to do it and uh it is not one of my favorite things to participate in so i i hear you buddy just not easy man it's just not easy no and and like you said you know getting a mover man that would sure help but boy is it not the best time to be doing stuff like that right (laughs) um i had something happen to me on friday that i didn't tell you about when we got to play squadrons because i wanted to save it for the show this week right um so friday i finish up my work i post the podcast you know my my friday routine jesse uh leaves for a little bit to go see her sister and i decide you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna take myself a nap so i get up from a nap you know i love a good nap yes you do um I had a nap before the show, and I think I cut it a little too close to the uh, recording time because whatever I'm struggling. Um, Who would have been ready to go were it not for my technical uh, technical difficulties? (laughs) Um, So I get up from a nap. I'm I'm like, oh, I need to do something for dinner. So order myself some food from Postmates. Right, take the dogs outside so they can go to the bathroom. Come back in. Postmates is about 10 minutes away. So I put Dharma up because you know how Dharma is when strangers come up to the door. She freaks out a little bit. Longtime listeners to the show will have heard that before. Um, and I'm in the bathroom, right? I'm just yeah. uh, hanging out, <coughs> waiting for my food to show up since they do like the, because um, of all the uh, the virus stuff going on, they just drop your food off and, and leave, right? Right. Get the hell out of there. I love it. That means I don't have to awkwardly interact with a delivery person. So I'm in the bathroom when I hear what can only be described the sounds of animal on animal mortal combat. Oh, no. I hear Luna flipping out like she's a tiny baby Cujo. And then I hear a cat, not sure which one screaming i don't mean meowing or hissing i mean screaming like a person oh and so i fly out of the bathroom come into the living room where it's the sound is coming from (laughs) expecting to see luna and a cat in in a fucking throwdown for some reason that's not what i see i see luna looking out our front door flipping out and Walter, my good buddy, sweetest cat in the world, Walter, standing on his tippy toes, 
like hunched up like a Halloween cat. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. With his back. And he's yeah. all fluffed up. And he is screaming at something outside. Oh, well, yeah. I'm having food delivered. I assume, oh, it's the delivery person. So instinctively, I run up to shoo them away. And I look outside. And what do I see? A motherfucking raccoon with its little paws in my bag of food. Oh, oh, the raccoon got your dinner. He was trying to. He was not successful. But uh, that was what was going on that were freaking Walter and Luna out. They were watching him get your dinner and they were like, Dad, Dad, he's taking it. He's taking it. You get out of here. You, you get out of here. You stop that. And he uh, was pretty freaked out to see me open the door because, you know, if this had been just me that had seen it and I wasn't so frazzled and freaked out, right. you know, it would have gone a lot differently. It would have. Um, but as it was, you would try to bring him inside. Well, yeah, you know what this did? This proved to me that, uh, there's at least two animals in the house that would not appreciate that. I don't think. Right. Um, but I, I narrowly stopped him from getting in my dinner. And then I kind of, you know me, I kind of felt bad about it. I was like, oh man, he thought he hit the fucking jackpot. He, he thought he like had a free dinner. There is such thing as a free dinner. He was. He thought he was about to be eating a French dip sandwich, my dude. Mm, he was going to dip it in the sauce too. You oh yeah. Oh yeah, man. With it, holding it with his little hands. Little hands. His yep, little raccoon hands. Top off, dippy dippy. Mm. <clears throat> so I, I left him a little snack on the front step. Oh. To try man, and make you up are... for it. <laughs> I felt He's going to come at you one of these days. Yeah, and be like, hey man, thanks for the snack. Yeah, that'll be it. Uh-uh, Will. You're not going to do this to me. Nuh-uh. You're not going to ruin this dream for me. I know. I know. No. All wild animals are tame and lovable. Uh, no, but I don't think I'm in, in in any danger of just going outside one day and being ambushed by a raccoon. Mm. I guess that depends on if you got snacks with you or not. Have you seen the size of me, Will? I've always got snacks with me. You think he'd take those snacks away from you? You'd give them willingly. He yeah. couldn't. He couldn't hurt you. For no the snacks. No, man. All that raccoon has to do to get snacks from me is just show up. Rub his tummy. He's out there looking at you. He's like, just like, mm, oh. I'm so hungry. <laughs> and I don't know if this is the same raccoon that we saw a few times back in the spring. Um. It's hard to say because I don't think it is because we saw him quite a few times and then he kind of disappeared. I think he moved right. on. I hope that's what happened. I hope nothing bad happened to it. <clears throat> but if this is the same one, it's it's put on some weight since then. It's a little bigger, a little chonkier. Well, you've been slipping him snacks, haven't you? Well, no. This was the first. Well, we do feed an outside cat and a possum. So maybe <laughs> and you feed a raccoon. <laughs> so maybe he's been eating some of that food too. Now that I think about it, but we we do have an outside cat that we feed that led to feeding an outside possum, who's really changed my opinion on the American opossum. Really, I'm a bit of a fan of him now because of that that guy. <laughs> I guess when you feed them, they become your friends. Yeah, and he does not seem all that scared of us, that possum. He's not. He'll, like, we'll, um, 
notice that he's outside eating and Jesse and I will just sit at the door watching and he'll look up and look at us and not flinch. Just go back to eating. Really? Yeah. It's pretty crazy. <clears throat> now that's one that I don't foresee me like becoming super friends with anytime because they still freak me out a little bit. But I'm glad to have them around. I'm sure you are. <clears throat> um, you love animals. I do, man. So that's what I did on a Friday night was almost have my dinner jacked by a raccoon. And like I would have been bummed because I was hungry and I was looking forward to that French dip sandwich. Right. But if I had seen him running off with his hand full of French dip sandwich, I don't know that I would have been that mad. Like I would have just made myself a PB and J and been all right. If he had broken it in half for you, like yeah. if he took the sauce, but like toward the sandwich in half for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Next time, he's just got to let me know he's hungry. I'll feed that raccoon anytime he wants. Yeah, you will. <clears throat> so. Feels like a Huey Lewis in the News song, Feed the Raccoon. <laughs> the, uh, the other thing that happened on Friday last week is that it was announced that on Monday Night Football this week, which would have been the 19th, there was going to be a special look at the Mandalorian. And boy, did everybody get excited, including me, because, you know, it's a new Star Wars trailer, sort of. Um, and Monday night football reveals for Star Wars in the past have played out, paid out. Paid out. Have uh, paid off pretty well. Hold on one second, buddy. Anyways, um, so Monday night football runs rolls around and I don't have cable anymore. So I knew from the get go that I wasn't going to be watching the game live. Like I have in the past to try and catch the trailer. Right. And, um, you know, just sort of waiting for the word to hit social media that the trailer's out. And the first word I get on social media that indicates that it's out is I can't remember who it was, but somebody got somebody going, that's it. And uh, so then watching the trailer, I immediately see why they said that. Because it doesn't offer a whole lot that we yeah, haven't not, seen so far. Yeah, not a whole lot to go on there. <clears throat> um, what there is that's new, I mean, we'll definitely talk about. But, you know, we're not going to be uh, spending this whole podcast covering the Monday Night fo- Football look at uh, Season 2 of The Mandalorian. Uh, some cool visual stuff, but you know, a lot of reused footage from the first trailer from last month, right? I think that was right. last month. Um, and uh, I don't know. So on one hand, I I sort of agree with what I'm seeing a lot of people say is that like, you know, this isn't for the hardcore fan base this is for the general public you know the general public that watches tunes into monday night football and may not be aware of when season two of the mandalorian starts you know but on the other hand like it's not like they just re reused a lot of the same footage for like the movie trailers they did on monday night football 
So I guess what I'm saying is I can understand why a lot of the fans out there thought it would be a little more substantial given what we've gotten during these Monday night football events in the past. You know, does that make sense? It does. <coughs> I Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. So I definitely understand where people were coming from, you know, that we're sort of disappointed or we're, we're hoping for more. You know, it makes a ton of sense. You know, I would just say, like, we're a week to, away. To you me, know? less is more at this point. Yeah. You know, like. I totally get that. That's the other thing is, like, there's a difference between getting something like this, you know, at the time, essentially a little under two weeks from Back the first at, like, episode. This is what I thought we'd have. Remember when we were saying, should have Mandalorian trailer any day now? Should be any day now? Like, that's what I thought we would have then. But yeah. they held off so long. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't want a lot of information, honestly. We're so close, you know. Back when we were getting, you know, the Force Awakens trailer, Last Jedi, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, during Monday Night Football, we were still a couple of months away from the movie coming out, and it was also lining up with the time uh, that the tickets were going on sale. So that you know, those two things made it feel a little more substantial substantial to me and then you know we, we we don't have that long to wait now you know by the time we post this we're a week away this time next week we will have seen the first episode of mandalorian season two uh it's it's nice to finally be looking forward to something this year absolutely <laughs> um but I guess we should talk about some of the uh, the newer elements of this um, trailer, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Uh, the thing that stuck out to me the most was the bit of dialogue from uh, our buddy Din Djarin, where he says, if I can find other Mandalorians, perhaps they can guide me when he's talking. That's pretty good. Yeah, now. Whoo did that get me excited? Like that line alone made it worth the hype for me because it, Im it implies what Boba Fett might be able to tell Din Djarin about Jedi. Right. It could now, you know, I, I definitely saw people, you know, sort of using that to connect to the Boba Fett rumor and, while I don't think there's anything wrong with that, you know, Boba Fett's not technically a Mandalorian. I know, I know. It, yeah, that's, I knew I was, I was in, because in my head I'm going, Boba Fett's one of the Mandalorians that have tangled with Jedi. And right. I'm like, well, Boba Fett's not technically a Mandalorian. But what I do think it could mean is this sort of him looking for other Mandalorians is what causes him to run across Boba Fett or Cop Vanth you know like I'm envisioning something to the effect of like you know him saying if I can find other Mandalorians perhaps they can guide me and someone says well there's rumors of a Mandalorian on Tatooine you know what I'm saying right and that's what leads him back to Tatooine <clears throat> and then you know running into Cop Vanth or Boba Fett or both or whatever the hell happens there now the more solid, I won't, I won't say likely, because 
you know, who the fuck knows at this point, but the, the more, uh, I don't even know how to say what I'm trying to say. I should not have taken that nap before <laughs> this episode. I'm struggling. Um, Bo-Katan and Sabine. That's what I'm trying to say. That's what I was going to ask. I was like, doesn't that leave room for Bo-Katan? Mm-hmm. Like, and Sabine, they've tangled with Jedi. Well, yeah, they've both been in real close contact with Jedi. They're both right. actually considered Mandalorians. Uh, both rumored to be in this season. So, if you want my real opinion, this probably pertains to them more than Boba Fett in the long run of things, at least, you know? Um, yeah. <clears throat> Do you think, I mean, it'd be cool if we got to see John Favreau's Vizsla again, right? Well, not just, yeah, that's the other thing is we don't know really the status of most of his covert right. the Mandalorians. We know a lot of them died. Um, not the foundress we're pretty sure yeah she she's probably still alive and then you know she sort of it was kind of implied that she was too badass to be taken out right and it was also kind of implied that uh maybe the empire didn't get all of them from that covert and you know this time last year leading into mandalorian season one like i thought we were just getting the mando I had no idea how many Mandalorians were actually going to be in the show. That is very true. <clears throat> so, you know, besides established Mandalorian characters, I think this leaves the door open for a lot of new Mandalorian characters he could possibly come across. And that's real exciting. And I think that, that will just further open the door for more like Mandalore related storytelling in this season and seasons going forward because we really don't have a great idea yet of like what the state of Mandalore is or the the people like what the rest of Mandalorian culture is up to during this time period in Star Wars like how um the events of the the original trilogy affected them post rebels and you know how things are going since the empire fell we don't have a great idea from the looks of it in season one it doesn't seem like it's going that great because they're in hiding underground on uh, navarro right um was there anything that stood out to you in this little looky looky the, the maybe Horatio Sands looking character mm-hmm. or the uh, same species of that it's pro- probably his character I mean why would you use another species and not that? He's technically might still have him frozen on the Razor Crest, right? Well, no, they came and got him. Remember, oh, did he they? T- did he turn him in? Yeah, he turned him in and and stuff. So yeah, it looks like his Mithral, I believe that's the species of alien uh, character, will be returning at least for a little bit. That's like seeing that in that uh, in that footage. Like I just couldn't in my head sort of come up with a reason. For him to come back. So I'll be interested I mean, to see what that is. I mean, I, I assume if you need a grifter or some sort of con man or whatever, what was he in for? Embezzlement or something? I can't even remember what he was in trouble for. You want credits? I got credits. 
I just remember the gross shit where he's talking about uh, um, evacuating his thorax on the floor of the Razor Crest. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's got to go use the vac tube. Yeah. Um, But I like that character well enough in the first episode. So, you know, yeah, bring him back, whatever. I just wonder what the story purpose is, you know? He's a cool looking alien. He was. He was, um, I don't know how to put it. Like, maybe. Like a swamp thing. Not swamp thing. The creature from the Black Lagoon, kind of. Yeah, he had a little bit of that vibe. He kind Fish of, person. He kind of felt more like a, uh, like a Star Trek style alien to me in What's some the, regards. Uh, What's the guy from Hellboy? The fishy guy, Abe Abe Sapien. Mm-hmm. A lot like that, but like yeah, like you're saying Star Trekky. Yeah. Um. You know, other than that, I don't know that there is a lot more on offer. We got to see the Mando actually use the uh, whistling birds. Oh yeah, and the baby taking cover. That's a great scene. Yeah. Yeah, because in the original trailer, it cut to black, and you just sort of heard the sound effects. Right. And and this, we got a like a brief little look of him actually firing those off, and you know, killing some folks. It's such a cool weapon. It is. It is. The only thing is, and this is <clears throat> just my own personal stupid hang up, is I feel like they showed us that he got a limited amount of those from the armorer in season one and he sure did use a lot of them rescuing the child from Werner Herzog right so I'm I'm just wondering like you know did she give him a couple extra to put in his pocket or didn't he armor up or something when he saw her for the last time didn't he pull some gear out of somewhere or something well I know she made the uh like she gave him her, his emblem, right? Right. And uh, it's possible he could have re-upped in. I mean, yeah. if you wanted to say that that happens, off I mean, that here. is the perfect explanation for that problem. Will that's perfect. That's all I need. All and I need the is fact some... that he may know enough to forge his own. You know, may, as a foundling, <laughs> maybe the yeah. foundry is where you. I don't know. I feel like maybe that's not the case. Specifically, that just because. Whistling birds, is that what they're called? Yeah, I, I feel like if he knew how to make them himself, then why would she have to make them for him in season one? And plus, he oh. she used the best car to make it. So, right. um, didn't seem like he had much of that left over. But, you know, splitting hairs here at this point. Like I said, it's kind of just a, a stupid little hang-up, stupid little question I had. It's from playing video games. I like to know how much ammo I have. Right. <laughs> Especially certain video games where that's part of the thing. Like once you run out, it's to swing in. Right. Exactly. Um but yeah, regardless of the fact that we didn't get, you know, a ton of new footage or some crazy substantial look at it, you know, we didn't see Ahsoka, et cetera, et cetera. Um Is it is uh is it grief carga? Yes. Is that the character? It's cool to see him in the turret, like all seriously shooting. 
I don't yeah. know where that turret is. I I don't. Is it on the Razor Crest? I don't think so. I think it's on that um, that same uh, vehicle that we see the Mithral on oh, okay. when they ram into like the scout troopers on the speeder bikes and stuff. It's an interesting okay. looking vehicle. Uh, very boxy. I couldn't wow. really get a good look at it and tell what it was. I was kind of wondering if it was one of the uh, those troop transport vehicles. Yeah. that uh Kenner made back in the day that then subsequently showed up in uh Rebels and then The Mandalorian later. Yeah, the assault. Yeah. Bus or whatever the SWAT bus. So it might have been one of those, although I don't think it was. I don't know, man. One of the, we'll see. <clears throat> um Yes we will. It'd be cool to see some more of those tanks from Rogue One. Yeah, the hover tanks yeah. with the tank troopers. I, you know, I'm into those tank troopers. That is one. I of know the, you are. It's one. I of think the, that's an uh, underutilized uh, vehicle in an enemy ve- empire enemy vehicle. It is. It's an underutilized vehicle, and in in my opinion, an underutilized um, trooper design. You know, we we've had the death troopers show up a couple of times now after Rogue One. But the the tank troopers seem pretty well confined to Rogue One at this point, as as far as I can remember. I don't remember them popping up anywhere else yet. And I get that why need a tank? Why use the tank when you have an ATAT? But that's almost overkill sometimes for what a tank can do. Yeah, yeah, no, I think they they both work for different um, circumstances. They serve different purposes. Right. Um, it is intimidating. I mean, to see that thing rolling through the streets of town as like a, you know, as a, I guess like a rebel suppression unit, like it was intimidating. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely serves better as as a patrol vehicle than a slow ass ATAT, right? Like an ATAT, right. you're not using that for patrol or like security or something. Like that's. A siege that would weapon. be intense if you were yeah, man. patrolling the city in your AT-AT squad. <laughs> Those patrols would take a while. I'm still not convinced. Because remember, we were talking about it a little while back when Giancarlo Esposito said that he has a big vehicle of some sort this season. And yeah. when he said that initially, I was like, oh, Star Destroyer. Then I saw a lot of people saying that maybe it was an AT-AT. I think either would be awesome. Yeah. Uh, the more I think about it, the more I'm sort of on the AT-AT side and thinking that's what I want to see. <clears throat> um, speaking of which, no Moff Gideon in this footage at all, which is still weird. They have not used him in any promotion yet, which makes me wonder, like, what the hell is going on with that? Moff Gideon? Yeah, he's good. Maybe there's something special. Maybe the reveal has to do with him in some way in the second season. Yeah, that kind of, you know, that's kind of what I was wondering because you got to wonder if they've got him doing some some shit in this season they don't want to show you yet. Yeah. And uh, maybe that's why. But yeah, they're they're playing this season... Real secretive, like, as far as official footage being released and stuff, because besides that... What if he's a double agent? 
What if he's really a good guy? And that's why he was looking for the baby Yoda. I don't see that being. Well, it if, would be way too deep because he's killing folks. Yeah, right? I mean, he made reference to him killing. Yeah, he. he I don't. Yeah, if he's a double agent, talking he's, about deep cover. He's, yeah, yeah, I don't see that being the case, buddy. Because if I he's a, too deep, it's all justified. If he's a double agent, he sure did order the you know the killing of a lot of Mandalorians, of Werner Herzog. Um, IG. Yeah, IG 11. Yeah, if he's a double agent, he's going to have a hard time getting me back on his side. I was just trying to think Quill, of why they, Quill, what, how, what reveal about him could be that he, that would be so secretive, you know, like, it would explain his having a lightsaber, but he doesn't wield it like someone, like a Jedi would. Yeah, I think... You know, may, uh, that the dark saber was one of the things that made me wonder if that's why they're not showing much footage of him is because they don't want to show off footage of him using the dark saber yet. They want to save that for when we see it in the show. But you got to imagine in every scene he's going to be in, he's not going to be whipping that thing out, swinging it around. No, you know. I mean, it's just it's how he rolls too with like an army. Yeah. Okay. So like he has, you know, wherever he is. The army, you got you're gonna have to take them out to get to him first. Yeah, and and I think the him having a lightsaber, like the particular lightsaber that he has, just points more to the fact that he's a bad guy. Because we've brought it up many a time. The last time we see it is not in the hands of Moff Gideon. Like we see it, Boca Sabine gives it to Bo-Katan. So right, um, something bad went down for him to have that saber. Um, but yeah, you know, what else can you say? I'm going to be staying up real late a week from now so I can watch it as soon as it hits Disney plus. And then, uh, we'll be recording our first cracking a fresh monster, (laughs) probably cracking a fresh nap (laughs) right before the new monster. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a kombucha. Ooh, fancy. Oh. Um, Pickle juice. But yeah, I am excited for the show to start next week. I'm excited for having some special guests on to talk about the episodes. And uh, finally, excited to kill this Boba Fett pain. One way or the other, about nine weeks from now, I'll finally know what's up with Boba Fett in season two. He will. He will. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Or a sad Christmas. Where I'm like... Merry sad Christmas. They did him dirty. <clears throat> brought him back to kill him. It's the return of the Jedi all over. Oh my god. Don't speak that into existence, Will. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm Why sorry. Why would you do that? I'm just, I don't know. I was thinking about your worst nightmare. <laughs> that would, uh, that would bum me out. But I mean, it's entirely possible, you know, at this I point, know. the way my Boba Fett luck has gone so far. I mean, it seems ridiculous. Like you just let him let this, let his existence be a question mark, you know, because you can always come back to it until tomorrow Morrison is done. Um, so 
you want to talk about some uh, Obi-Wan Disney Plus series news? Yes. Our good buddy, personal friend, Ewan McGregor, I wish, uh, was on the Happy, Sad, Confused podcast this week. And the host, Josh Horowitz, uh, brought up uh, the Obi-Wan series. And he said, uh, how's the lightsaber training? Are you ready? This is a long time coming. Did you feel ready to get back on set and return to Obi-Wan? And this is what our buddy had to say. He said, yes, I really am very excited about it. It's been a long time coming. I mean, we've been talking about doing it, Lucasfilm and Disney, I don't know, for four, five, maybe more years, and it's just taking a while to come to fruition. I'm excited about the fact that it's a series as opposed to a movie. It gives us more space, and mainly, I'm excited about it because of the Mandalorian series, which I thought was really good, and we're going to adopt some of that technology that they utilized in that filming, and I'm working with Deborah Chow, who directed some Mandalorian. I'm really excited about working with her. I think she's really good. We did a couple of tests when we were going to make a film earlier. We did some testing, and it was great working with her. That's interesting, right? Yeah, it is. <clears throat> so it sounds Very. like they did some tests when they were still considering doing it as a movie? Like, is hmm. the wording on that weird? Or is that that's what it sounds like to me? So, I'm a little confused, but I mean, I don't know. I just don't know. Um, and then Horowitz asked, did you actually get in character or was that too premature for a camera test? And he said, no, we kind of did it properly. It was funny walking on set because it was a lot of the Mandalorian crew and I walked on and for it was a big moment. I walked into the dressing room and there were my beige cloaks and my belts and boots and it was like, oh my God, it was my old costume. It was amazing. <laughs> that's cool. <clears throat> so that's what I like. Hearing him talk fondly about it is, yeah, you know, that's great. I love that man because, you know, I think... In the years after the prequel trilogy, because of the general direction of discussion about the prequel trilogy that went on, it just felt like everybody was crapping on it, you know? So what is nice is to hear one of the major players from that trilogy excited to come back and reprise their role, you know? And how much he enjoyed his time the first time. Yeah, and... <clears throat> the timing of that seems very interesting to me because you'd have to imagine that uh, this costume test he's talking about and being on the set of The Mandalorian and things like that had to be during the production of season one because Deborah Chow's not involved in season two of The Mandalorian. So we're talking like 2018-ish that this was going down, that he was putting the costume on and doing the tests which was i'm pretty sure well before my timeline might be a little mixed up but i think that's well before they announced it officially <clears throat> that um and what is that phase of production dude are you just seeing what he looks like in the outfit taking some stills like what is as a production what are you doing there 
yeah, it's just pre-production stuff. It's it's probably doing a costume test, making sure it looks, you know, like because I'm sure they're not going into the Lucasfilm archive and getting, you know, the episode three costume off the shelves. They're probably recreating it and you I'm know want to get in him freshening it up. Yeah, and you know if you got the uh, the volume rocking with Tatooine footage ready to go, why not have Ewan go there? Stand in the set in his costume, take some footage and some stills, see what he looks, looks like. Good, you like it? I like it. <clears throat> that way, you know, he's still got it. Yeah, you, you need to make any changes, any adjustments to the costume, easy enough to do. Yeah, I, I think that's what it is, you know. Um, do, do you think he has a beard? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you know, he's got a beard, buddy. For the last five years. I feel like anytime Ewan McGregor's been seen in public with a beard, it's led to people on social media being like, oh, he's getting ready to play. <laughs> he's getting ready to play Obi-Wan again, y'all. He's growing the beard back. <laughs> I didn't know if they would do like scruffy two-week shadow. No. Nah, you go grizzly beard. old man. Full-on beard. No, I think you got to go grizzly. I, like, I think you take the beard even further. You know what I'm saying? Oh, okay. That's what I would do. Granted, yeah. there's a reason that they don't follow my ideas on Star Wars, but I think you give them like a ZZ Top beard. Yeah. With Does a Padawan braid. hair grown out? Hmm? Oh, a Padawan braid. In his beard. In his beard. Yeah. For old time's sake. Hmm. You know. On the... uh. The little bottom lip part, the soul patch. Yeah, just pat one braid that shit. Yeah, maybe weave in some like uh, puka shells. Now you're speaking my language. Yeah, desert life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, make it look like Obi Wan's going to Burning Man. He's got some rope sandals on instead <laughs> of the brown boots. He's really into patchouli. Mm, smells fantastic. What are He's those? Not- um, Nog Champa. What are those hot tents that they make where people go sit in there and have hallucinations? What are those things called? Oh, uh, oh I have no idea. Sweat Lodge. Sweat Lodge. There you go. He's building sweat lodges. He's uh, eating um, psychedelic cacti. And peyote. Yeah. On Tatooine. He's just... Psychedelic peyote cactus on Tatooine. Yeah. That's what it's all about, man. <laughs> what are you? Gonna, what else are you gonna do in the desert? Watching Man. the kid, dude. If that is what the Obi Wan series talking turned to out slugs to be, and frogs and shit, he's licking toads, <laughs> smoking banana peels, <laughs> catnip. If uh, if that's what the the Obi Wan series turned out to be, <clears throat> boy, would I think that would uh, throw people for for a loop. They They'll s- be back. And in far greater numbers. The psychedel- Who are you talking about? Who are you talking about? <laughs> the psychedelic adventures of one Obi-Wan Kenobi in the wilderness of Tatooine. A Star Wars story. Man, that sounds like a, uh, I don't know, some sort of bee art, bee, art house B-movie. Sounds like the kind of movie Uncle George would have made back in like the, uh, the THX days. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know what I mean? Before yeah. he decided to tone that shit down and go a little more commercial pre-american graffiti it's a hard watch not i'd say hard i mean most 70s 
sci-fi movies are about as requiring of your attention. Yeah, I don't know. I've seen THX 1138 a few times, you know? Yeah. And like every time I watch it afterwards, I'm like, well, that was a thing. That happened. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's definitely as a uh, sort of historical record of the career of George Lucas leading up to Star Wars, it's definitely interesting. <laughs> it's an interesting concept, but it's not my type of thing, you know? Right. Like, I definitely prefer his later work, which should be pretty obvious. <clears throat> um. Yeah. Let's see. I had something else. I think there's going to be a Willow series. That's on what Amazon. I'm, no, Disney Plus. Disney Plus. That's what I meant. They announced this week that the Willow sequel series is a go. We've talked about it before in the past. It's been a while that you know rumors were being passed around, and then uh, I believe John Kasdan, um, you know, posted on social media when they started writing it. And it looks like it's a go. And uh, our buddy, uh, man, why can't I think of his name? Warwick Davis is returning. Warwick Davis. And Hell yes. It's going to be Disney Plus's first, or uh, Lucasfilm's first non uh, Star Wars production since uh, the Disney buyout. And it will be directed by John M. Chu, who's the director of Crazy Rich Asians. Uh, Ron Howard is on as a producer, as is John Kasdan, who wrote at least the pilot, if not the full series. Uh, couldn't really figure out how that went down, but he's definitely involved. Um, I wonder if they'll bring back... Um... Val Kilmer. Ooh. I don't think they really can, buddy. He's not in great shape. Yeah, I know. I, I heard that he was in Top Gun, though. I, I, you know, I don't know because that movie is not out. He was in, he's in Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Um, yeah. But, you know, he's had like a, a throat cancer surgery. Right. He's, he's, he's got a tracheotomy. Yeah. So. I hope they find some way to incorporate him. I think they should. But, you know, I think being involved uh, in, a, in a definitely in the same capacity as he was in the original is probably... I don't think he's going to be slinging a sword. Yeah, I don't think it's in the cards. It's unfortunate. Um, but, yeah, I, I hope they can find some way to work him in. Uh, be, I, I'm down. With a re a Willow sequel, uh, I just wonder. <clears throat> I wonder what direction they're going to go with it because there were a series of sequel novels that Chris Claremont and George Lucas did post Willow, and I want to say I read the first one, maybe the first and second one, and didn't really dig them. They were kind of weird. I bet um, they just go from, you know, the movie. Yeah, I I don't think they'll take those books into account. 
Um, and they might do the like thing where if there's good parts in them, they may use them, you know. Yeah, it's sort of like kind of like they do with Star Wars lore. Yeah, a, a bit of a baseline inspiration maybe. Yeah. I could see that being the case. You're probably right on with that. <clears throat> um but I bet it'll have the little tribal pixies. Yeah, the brownies. Is that what they The brownies, called? that's yeah. what I meant. I'm sure Elora Dannon will be in there. Oh yeah, you'd have you would think so, right? Yeah. Um, it's especially if Warwick Davis is coming back. That just means it'd be an older wicket. It'd be a badass wizard. You mean an older Willow. Willow, that's what I meant. Oh, thank you. We already saw so a, many Warwick Davis W named characters. Characters, yeah. We already saw an older wicket in the Rise of Skywalker. We did, we did. Um I always forget because you know, you, you see him briefly in Rise of Skywalker and his kid is next to him. And I always forget that kid has a name. Wicket's kid has a name. Oh, okay. And I want to say, I can't remember what it is. Is it Wacket? It's not Wacket. It can't be. It can't be. <laughs> Wicket and Wacket? Wicket and Wacket? <laughs> no, dude, it can't. No, it's not Wacket. Shit, I can't remember what it is. I mean, it might as well be whack it now. <laughs> no. <laughs> See, this is why... That's never going to leave my mind. This is why I can't work in Star Wars, man, because I'd be in the like creative meeting, and they'd be like, all right, guys, we got to keep this secret, but we're bringing Warwick Davis in. He's going to reprise the role of Wicket in a brief cameo in Episode Nine, and he's got a kid. We need a name for it. What about whack it? Ooh. Go, go to your corner, Oh, <laughs> uh, you need to get a new job. I hear the Snyder Cut is hiring. Take that to the Snyder Cut with that kind of fucking input. Wicked and wacky. <laughs> Wicked and wacky. Oh. Oh, Lord. That's his twin brother. That sounds like that's Wicked's brother. Um. I'm an idiot. So you want to hear? Died, he died at the Battle of the Shield Generator. Oh, Wackett did. Wackett did. Yeah. Maybe Wackett is the uh, the Ewok that you see laying on the ground that the other we- Ewok comes up to and tries to wake up. The Shit. one that doesn't get up. Yeah. The saddest yeah. moment in yeah. Star Wars history that, that made me cry as a child. I didn't like it as a kid. I don't like it now. He didn't get up, man. He didn't get up. <laughs> he, didn't, he did not he get didn't up. Get up. Whack it. <clears throat> All right. Uh, you want to hear from some of our friends? Call it I a do. night. I do. All right. Let me uh, play us a little song while I get our voice messages loaded up. Kia D. Kia D. Kia D. Cockhead, the only Jedi master who can crash box Giddy. Cockhead, running around slaying bitches with his cockhead. He's a big Surian stud. He loves to split chicks with his pud. Giddy, cockhead, to stroke his cone and suck on his balls. Giddy, cockhead, what you gonna do when he comes on you now? 
Jedi Council stooge But he'll be plumping spooge tomorrow Cockhead! All right. First up, we have a guy who, without a doubt, knows that damn Ewok's name. It's our buddy King Tom, the king of all Toms, Tom Chansky. Hey there, Haas and Will. I know you guys aren't keeping current with the current run of the Star Wars comics, but I do have a comics-related question for the two of you. Uh, Right now, there are two main series, the main Star Wars series and the Darth Vader series, and there's also an excellent Dr. Aphra series, there's a eh, Bounty Hunter series, and... I think all of them, although Bounty Hunter 1, from what I understand, bounces around, but I think the other three take place specifically in the time period between Empire and Jedi, which, I've said it many times, that's the time period I want stories of because it feels like it's the most underrepresented time period that we have in Star Wars. And so I'm, I'm very happy um, that, they're, that they're doing this, and I think... Right now, it, it, both series, the main series and the Darth Vader series, are kind of close to Empire, and they're dealing with the psychological effects. And they're just telling some very interesting stories. And there's still a lot more because I think it's been established that there's been a year between the end of Empire and the beginning of Return of the Jedi. My question is, how long do you think in real-world time it's appropriate to let something like this run because the first run of the Star Wars comics started in 2014 or 2015 and ended earlier this year. It ran 75 issues, four and a half to five years to tell stories in a three-year time span between A New Hope and Empire. How long do you think they should let something like this run real life? And are there any stories... Please don't say Dash Rendar. Are there any stories you think that they... If it were up to you, and I know you guys aren't really into the comics, but are there any stories you think they should tell? I think we definitely need to learn about the second Death Star. We are learning uh, about Luke and exploring the Force, how Vader reacted to his failure at Bespin. And there are also a lot of really cool ties to the High Republic and to the sequel trilogy and some other things here and there. But how long should they take? Because I'm sure they're going to let it run a few years and then move on to something else maybe the next you know maybe the next time they reboot the main star wars comic book series will deal with either taika waititi or ryan johnson's movie but i want to know what you guys think anyway thanks for listening thanks for the great podcast i'll talk with you later Ooh, um that's a good question so if they covered three years of star wars history between a new hope and empire and 75 issues then I say you cover a year in 25. Hmm. Because, I mean, that's just how it works out in my head. I don't know. <clears throat> it would seem like you could, that would be a lot of story. 75 issues would be a lot of story to cram into a year of the yeah. timeline, you know? Yeah. Um, 
that's uh that's a lot to because you got to think like there's only so much shenanigans they can get up to in a year and at some point okay this is this is the number one story i would like to see them cover um between empire and jedi is the uh is them coming up with the plan to get han out of jabba's palace That'd be cool. Like, <clears throat> son of a bitch, I'm in. Yeah, yeah, like sort of figuring that out. Because that, that plans may be a little, when you really sit down and think about it, it's maybe a little goofy in Return of the Jedi. It's cool. It's one of the coolest parts of Return of the Jedi is the Jabba's Palace and Sail, Bo- uh, Sail Barge. I mean, talk part. about the long con. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> they just saw slowly show up there and like, I think Steel for this one moment. Steel had uh, Nathan Hamill on his show one time, and they sort of got into talking about the whole plan at Jabba's palace with rescue and Han and stuff, and like, you know, like what exactly was the plan? So I think that leaves them an opportunity to do that, and uh, you know, they kind of did that in Shadows of the Empire, but I think they could do it a little better nowadays. Um. You know, Tom said no Dash Rendar, but, but talk about taking the first thing on your mind. Yeah, for real. Like, I, I think they gotta at least throw in some sort of Shadows of the Empire nod. If they're telling a story in between Empire and Jedi, like throw us a Shizor bone, figuratively, not literally, because that dude was mm. always trying to give people the green bone. You know what I mean? Like. <clears throat> Like, figure it out. Like, figure out a way to... I'm not saying it has to be a huge focus and it has to be the the main thing that's going on in between Empire and Jedi, but give us a little. Give us a little tasty taste. Let's may, may, maybe a little flat-top Chewbacca. I mean, it, it can't be a lot, right? It doesn't seem like they get up to too much before they go back to taking on. Like, even at the end of Empire, they're like... Like... It's assumed that they're planning to go get Han, right? Yeah. Yeah, but there there is a year in between. So they can do some stuff. I just don't think 75 issues is feasible. You know. Um, what I'd really like them to do is, you know, spend a couple of years in our time telling stories in between Empire and Jedi and then wrap that up sooner than you did the first run and then you know, maybe give us a little bit post Jedi. Cause we have, I want to see the golden age, not golden age, but like, I want to see what the glow of the galaxy was like after the empire fell or after the majority of it fell. I'm sure there was purging of the empire after the liberation day, but like, I want to see the buildup of Luke Skywalker and the Jedi temple before it's fall. You know, yeah, I, I mean... want to see that. And I think comics are the only time I get that. Yeah, and, and, you know, we got Shattered Empire that gave us a little bit of uh, storytelling. I feel like you get tastes of it. Yes. You get little pits here and there. You get that, and you get the stuff There's in Shadow. There's one in Kylo Ren. <laughs> you get the um, the Shadow Empire, Shadow of the em- Shattered Empire stuff. I've got Shadows of the Empire on the brain. Um, you get the stuff from the Battlefront Two campaign, which is cool. Um, you get some stuff from the aftermath books, even though those mainly focus on 
new characters and stuff, but give us some solid Han, Luke, Leia, Lando storytelling post-Jedi. Let that be what you do until it's time to kick off comics related to, you know, the next set of live-action Star Wars movies. Since yeah. we're still three years or so away, I think there's time that you could do both. Um, that's what I would like to see. Uh, and it's not that I'm not into the comics. It's just, man, there's a lot to try and keep up with Star Wars and so many hours in the day. I've got naps to take, uh, work to do, raccoons was, to feed, Ewoks really to name. Time. Yeah. <clears throat> I would love to, like... Have the if time. that raccoon brought a friend, would you feed it too? Yeah. You'd feed all the raccoons that came to you. I would feed every raccoon in the state of Alabama if I had the means. I feel like that's a lot. That's intense love for the raccoon. <laughs> There's this guy I like to watch on YouTube occasionally who uh, lives in Canada. And he has... Uh, 15 to 20 raccoons that come to see him on his back porch every night. Yeah. He makes like full loaves of bread worth of peanut butter sandwiches and feeds Mm -hmm. it to him. He feeds them cat food. Like he just stays feeding these raccoons. He's got them all named. They're friendly. Like they like this dude. Of course they do because he's feeding them. This dude is my inspiration, Will. Sounds like it. (laughs) Um, but what I was going to say is like I'd love to have the time and the ability to do like a canon catch up. You know what I mean where I sit down and read all the comics and the books that I've missed out on. Um that'd be cool. Cuz there is quite a few and I feel like I am missing out and whenever I do take the time um I think it was this time last year that I went through and read the Poe Dameron comic that they did and it was really good. And I really enjoyed it. And like I, I would love to be able to do that more often with Star Wars comics. I know I'm going to <clears throat> attempt to do that with the High Republic stuff. Yeah. When that launches next year. Because I'm really excited for the High Republic uh, publishing initiative or whatever you call it. So I'll definitely take the time to keep up with the the Marvel series and the IDW series. But yeah, I'd love to be able to sit down and catch up on everything I've missed. You know what I do right now to keep up on books and stuff that I've missed is I listen to our buddy King Tom on Steel's Patreon. They've got a show called Page Wars where King Tom fills uh, Steel in on all the books and comics that he doesn't have time to read. So like... I, uh, that's how I keep caught up. And then, you know, talking to our buddy, Sal Perales, who you guys might be hearing from soon. Hint, hint. Smart. Um, But yeah. Do you have any other stories you'd like to hear about, uh, in between Empire and Jedi? I mean, nothing comes to mind. Um, you know, anything with Luke figuring out how to be a Jedi, because you basically go from him getting schooled and having his hand chopped off to him calling himself a full-fledged Jedi Knight when he shows up and, you know... And being very confident. Very confident. So I, I would like to see that happen. 
Luke in Return of the Jedi is so badass. Like, not just in Jabba's palace and or and, and on the sail barge, but like just through that whole damn ass movie, he is so cool. His resistance of the temptation in the end Man, under Palpatine. Very mature. I'm a Jedi like my father before me. I'm a Jedi like my father before me. Ugh, that shit rules, man. All right. Uh, we got one more voicemail, and then we'll call it an evening. This is from our buddy Jim. Hawes and Will, good evening. I am so excited. I can't believe that the next time you record, you'll be talking about Mandalorian Season 2, Episode 1. Woo! Or Chapter 9. Um, well, what I wanted to bring up to you guys was filler episodes um a year ago i called in after seeing the prisoner uh, prison ship episode and said it was my favorite uh at the time or might be my favorite and i wanted to bring up a year ago when i first saw it that well, part of the reason i was so excited is it's like this is a filler episode if this is how you fill in the non-main plot uh, season. Oh, oh my gosh. The, give me more. This is perfect. And some of the, you know, episodes that don't go anywhere of Rebels and Clone Wars, some of those are my favorite. And um, I just am so not ready to hurry. Uh, of course, I want to know who the heck wants Baby Yoda and why exactly and also what's the, you know what's the kid's name and what planet how are we going to end the season but i mean honestly i just if on the episode one of season two if they found baby yoda's planet and uh immediately just baby Yoda looks back at din jaren and it's like mm, i'm gonna stick with you you know let's just be a family let's be a crew and then moving on, let, now let's just follow them, you know? The big question is answered. I just, I don't want to hear people complaining about how episodes don't go anywhere. I want to take my time with this universe, and I love the speed of it, and I, I don't, you know, the, each episode takes up exactly how long it needs to take. But what do you guys feel uh, about filler episodes? All right, Ignite the Green. You know... <clears throat> Filler episodes to me are sort of an interesting concept because a lot of times I feel like they only seem like filler on your initial week to week watch. That's not always the case. It provides character development and mm -hmm. background. And it's also, it breaks it up so that not every episode is about the baby and the Mandalorian, right? Right. Like, that would get old. Yeah. And like, you know, watching, I'll use Lost as a, an example, watching that week to week, there were the occasional episode that felt like, all right, well, what's happening next week, though? You know what I mean? Yeah. This one, but then on a rewatch, an episode like, well, it's not the greatest example because I've always really liked this episode, but the episode where... <clears throat> they uh, like where Hurley and Sawyer and Jen fix up the Dharma van and take it on a joyride. Like, 
It's a really good episode. Like, I feel like you do need those occasional breaks in to the lighten the tension. Yes, exactly. And 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 to break it up so it's not just this long quest. Like one of my favorite episodes of Breaking Bad is this episode where they go out into the desert to cook up a big old batch of meth and the battery in their RV dies. So then they have to figure out how to uh, get the RV started again. And it doesn't have any great impact on, you know, whatever drug cartel storyline is going on. Hank isn't coming any closer to figuring out who Heisenberg is. It's just this episode that mainly focuses on Jesse and Walter White and sort of their relationship together. Like you said, it's character development and relationship development. <clears throat> so I like those. And, you know, I understand the idea of calling the prisoner episode of season one a filler episode because it doesn't make any great strides in telling more of the ongoing story of the Mandalorian and the child. But what it does do is give you an interesting peek into the Mando's backstory. And the crew yeah, he and you're talking to, to a guy here. I love anime. Right. So, and there's like the more filler episodes, the better. Like, bring them on. Like, I don't care. As many as you got. I want this to last as long as possible. And I'll watch as many filler episodes as you got. I know that's not, you know, that doesn't necessarily make for concise storytelling, but I don't want it to end. You know what I mean? Like, I'll take the filler episodes. Yeah. And with something like The Mandalorian, which is so short their seasons are only eight episodes long you don't want too much filler but the occasional episode that can like serve as a breather take you to a cool new location and tell a solid story re-emphasize the mandalorian's badassness solo yeah. badassness yeah it helps you I, again i think it helps justify his performance through the end of the series as well like he is a solo badass. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm I'm down for episodes like that. You know, I, I, you kind of got to take them by a case, on a case by case up uh, basis. Like, I think another one. Go the ahead. Droid filler episodes in Clone Wars and Rebels did not hold my, my attention as much. No, some of those were not as good. That's for sure. Like. Uh, an episode that I think you could easily call um, a filler episode in Rebels is in the first season. It's the one where Hera sends Ezra and Zeb to get the fruit, the Meluron, I think is what they call it. Mm -hmm. The Meluron fruit. <laughs> Not my favorite episode, but it also kind of serves a purpose of uh, strengthening the relationship and in, in advancing the relationship between Ezra and Zeb. So it, even it is not completely worthless as far as the plot and, and stuff goes. <clears throat> um, uh, Dragon Ball Z, the fight between Goku and Frieza on Namek taught me about filler episodes. Like, bruh, it, it, it's like, there are like four episodes back to back of Goku and Frieza just like screaming and powering up like now, further and further. Buddy. Peace and love, peace and love. 
I'm not trying to ruffle the will, wit, and feathers. DBZ goes a little far with the filler episodes every now oh, and then. Dude, I know it. I mean, <laughs> like they 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 take that term filler and it's really like, and some of those things feel like the Hanna Barbera card. Hanna Barbera used to like reuse the same backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Like when Scooby Doo or something is running and they're scrolling, it's you know, just the same thing on a loop. And some of that feels like the same basic effect. Yeah. You know. Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, you know. I think an episode that people sort of go back to as a filler episode in season one of The Mandalorian is episode five when they go to Tatooine and old Toro Calican shows up. And I'll be honest, had that episode not been set on Tatooine and we didn't get to see familiar locations, if it didn't have Amy Sedaris's character, and if it didn't have the tease of Boba Fett or whoever the fuck it was at the end of that, it probably would not have been, I wouldn't have been as favorable to it as I am. But they gave me a lot of shit that I like. I like Tatooine. How long had I been saying like, why do they keep doing all these different desert planets when Tatooine is right there? And they're like, oh, Hawes, you're going to like this. Yeah. uh, Yeah. And I did, man. I loved seeing Maz Eisley. I loved seeing the Cantina and the Tusken Raiders and the Docking Bay and the Pit Droids. Like the Banthas, that's that's fucking fine with me, man. Do backs, give me a do back every now and then. <clears throat> so, yeah, we'll see. I, I I fully imagine that we'll have at least one, if not two, quote unquote, filler episodes in this next season. Um, and if they're the quality of episode six from last year. The prisoner, give him to me all day. I'm down Bring with that. Bring it on. Yeah. Bring that same character back. Let him try to cross the Mandalorian. Yeah. For real. <laughs> all right, buddy. Well, I think that does it for this week. Uh, thanks for recording with me. Dude, thank you for having me. Oh, man. Next Friday, watching and recording about the Mandalorian. It is good to be back doing that. Yeah, it is. We will have our first guest. I'm, uh, I've got our first three weeks of guests lined up. Uh, I've got other guests that I've talked to that I need to just sort of figure out what episodes they're going to do. <clears throat> and it'll be good. You'll hear from us. You'll hear from some of our friends. We'll be talking about The Mandalorian and maybe even Boba Fett at some point. It's very close, my friends. So, so close. Until then, if you really need the, need something to do, to pass the time between now and the 30th next week, this is what you can do. First thing you need to do, pick up your phone and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts slash iTunes. It really helps us out. <laughs> Second thing you need to do, you need some music in your life. Nothing passes time like some good tunes. Oh, yeah, man, I'm just put on some good tunes, boy. You need to go to stonedcobra.bandcamp.com, Spotify, or iTunes and look up our good buddies, Stoned Cobra, who provided the music that we use for our theme song. So if you dig that theme song, I got a bunch of other music that you can listen to with lyrics and shit. Not you just, might want to wear a helmet because it could blow your brains out the back of your skull. But you might maybe you put on a neck brace so you don't give yourself whiplash. <laughs> and, uh, 
yeah, do those two things while you're waiting for The Mandalorian. And we'll see you next week. Until then, this has been Blue Harvest, and I'm Hollis Burkhart. And I'm Will Witten. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with all of you. May the Force be with us.